0: Let's Joke Football on BallonedOrder.com. This is Gabe Leser, your host. I'm joined, as usual, by Evan Mateer. Evan, uh, making your triumphant return to the show after our great um, work with uh, with Shay and then with uh, the interview with Mickey Turner. Evan, fucking welcome back, dude. Thank you very much. Very
1: excited here. Got a nice boring glass of water. Um, and ready to ready
0: to do it. Yeah, man, we're ready to go. It's about it's the cool thing about this show though is that it is your dessert. Um, you got your main course with our serious shows with Shay and then with Mickey. Here's your dessert show. We're talking about a bunch of a bunch of bullshit. Um, oh, it's such good bullshit though. Lots of good bullshit. And we're joined by our great friend from law school and uh, longtime uh, soccer fighter haver, Kier Lamont. Kier, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing really well. Happy to be here. Always happy to happy to have you on to talk some bullshit um, here. Uh, just introduce yourself. Um, he is a uh, uh, attorney in Ohio focusing on data governance and privacy. He is also a uh, avid um, soccer yeller. I think that's a good way to <laughs> describe what all of us do on this show. Yeah, maybe not a soccer Noah, but definitely a soccer Yellow. Soccer opinion haver um, and uh, opinion expressor. Um, and, well, the cool thing about that is that we have a bunch of semi soccer related shit to talk about. Obviously, we've got um, some Champions League, uh, real MLS hours, because I actually need an update from um, Evan. Also, LAFC did some shit. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, Final of the Champions League, just really briefly. Um, Arsenal's hilarious semi-choke job. Um, and hilariously, Jeremy Corbin's presence, why, why he was at that game, um, and then suddenly and, somehow... And why man, does he look so... Why, and why he looks so bored. He does look... It's amazing. He looks so bored. I wonder why one could look so bored watching um, a fucking shitty Arsenal team play Diego Simeone's Atletico with 10 men. <laughs> uh, I
2: don't know about bored, but thoroughly unimpressed
0: very unimpressed boy that i saw the ultimate unimpressed boy um but i guys the most important thing the the topic of the week because again this this right here this is your dessert guys our exes are fighting our exes are fighting um fifa um our real ex is fighting um president donald j trump on twitter there is a legitimate X fight going down in that it's impossible for us to choose who we want to lose more. Is that a fair right. assessment, it- Evan?
1: No, it's like so good. It's like I, I'm trying to think of like it's like if there's a zombie attack, like zombies and like an alien invasion, but they just decide to fight each other the whole time, and we just get to watch.
0: Right. We just get to sit back and then uh whichever one, you know, and then they annihilate each other, hopefully, and then we just get to like kind of re like Just start up everything as if that didn't happen. But yeah, so um, a couple days ago, 26th of April, Donald Trump fires up his uh, little Twitter machine while he's taking a dump, probably watching Fox and Friends. Says the United States has put together a strong bid with Canada and Mexico for the 2026 World Cup. It would be a shame if countries that we always support were to lobby against the U.S. bid. Why should we be supporting those countries when they don't support us, including at the United Nations? Evan, Kier, where, where, I mean, is this, a, I, I, okay, is this the coolest crossover event in, in, in modern history? I, what do I don't, what do we, I, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I, I, first off,
1: I, I have to assume that like this, th- th- maybe the best part, right, is that this was planned. By the World Cup bid, people it had to be because I don't believe for a second that the president actually knew that we were doing a bid with the with Mexico and Canada for the World Cup in 2026. I no. don't believe for a second that he was aware of this. Right. So I, I agree with that. Which means <laughs> that someone at the bid committee probably fucking called the White House to be like, hey, guys, you know, it'd be really fucking awesome. And <laughs> what if what if the president tweeted about this? It's amazing.
0: I mean, what's really shocking to me uh, is that he actually included Canada and Mexico in the. Like, he didn't just say the U.S. has put together a strong bid. That's what really gets me because, like, I think it's possible that he knows that there is a U.S. bid for the World Cup, but the idea that he somehow figured out that the U.S. was putting a joint North American bid and included Canada and Mexico in it is really the icing on the cake of this for me. You
2: know, right, I that- think that's beautiful. We've we've heard so much over the last couple of years uh, denigrating NAFTA. <laughs> and now suddenly our neighbors to the north and south are uh, back in our, our president's good graces. Yeah,
0: right. It's, it's a really good point. I mean, he's spent such a lot of time talking about how we need to put up a wall against Mexico and kick both of these countries out of NAFTA and just end NAFTA. And now suddenly, you know what? Joint bid is actually good.
1: Well, and yeah, so you we know,
0: people never- FI- 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 uh- always... The uh, North American Football Tough Guy Association. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: so FIFA's always saying that soccer puts, you know, football, world football, brings people together is what FIFA's
0: all about. So, Gabe, I'm sure that FIFA really loved this tweet, right? FIFA was – FIFA, as you might expect, and this is par for the course. I mean, FIFA responds to this tweet with an even funnier response. So (laughs) – if this tweet was funny, and we're going to get to some of the responses to it from non-FIFA people, which are also really funny. But this somehow FIFA managed to make it even funnier by saying, um, quote, rules, these rules, uh, uh, they responded to the, t- the tweet by offering reminder of World Cup bid rules, which warn against, and I swear to God, Activities by bidding country, governments which may quote active or adversely affect the integrity of the bidding process and create an undue influence on the bidding process. This is that is what it, it is just is like literally if you could write a tweet that is the image of that like without using the image, the image of that chef kissing his fingers, like this is the <laughs> perfect fucking response. It is distilled,
1: pure, concentrated hypocrisy.
0: It's like, <laughs> it's just the best. It's so fucking good. Look, we don't want Donald Trump to adversely affect the integrity of the bidding process, which is in its entirety, someone backing up a huge semi truck full of gold and dumping it into Seth blotters, personal bank account. His tweets right. might affect that integrity. Yeah, literal
1: bags of money have exchanged <laughs> for the cutter bid, actual cash, and like Trump sending this vaguely threatening tweet about African nations at the UN. That is that this is this is undue influence. This is amazing. I I can just cannot imagine who wrote this tweet or this response rather from FIFA with a straight face.
0: Every single thing about this owns, and what what's also cool are the, I mean. I didn't even know this constituency existed here, but they are like FIFA fans like fans of FIFA. And they're like trying to explain why it's different that there are bitter rules versus like government interference rules like bitter, bitter versus like uh, uh, just general government interference in FIFA. So apparently we care more about the bitter rules, which is, which is hilarious because the only time in my experience FIFA has ever once, right, you know, given any shit about any of this stuff is when they like the government of like Nigeria said we weren't going to give you the bo- give those players the bonuses uh, that they were owed. And FIFA was like, oh, we're going to ban your federation. But I just I, this, there this they're people that are trying to like defend FIFA, which rules. I mean, call, call me old
2: fashioned, but what happened to just uh, leaving some Rolexes in the hotel room? So why do we have to get on uh, Twitter and go after these countries? that right. doesn't make sense to
1: me. Doesn't no, make but it's sense. such a good point, right? Because FIFA doesn't care about undue influence. They care about public undue infer- influence, right? It's perfectly cool if you if you leave the Rolexes because you know no one sees that and no one can track the big truck of money that backs up to Sepp Blatter's fourth house in Costa Rica. That's not important. What's important is that Trump went public and you know cartels don't work very well out in the open.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not good. It's fine if a dude in a like cartoon uh, bank robber outfit with the stripes and like the, the the hat and shit, you know, and 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 then that like small little thing that only covers his eyes runs up and like they, you know hands set blotter a check for twenty billion dollars. But it's it's totally not cool if someone goes on TV and says you know give us you <laughs> know give us give us the the bid or we might like yo, not vote with the uh, Moroccan resolution at the U.N. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Oh, it's so good. I also want to... Very dumb. I want to shout out to people who are absolutely having regular ones. Um, my favorite is um, Jacob Wool. So one of the few people that apparently has... Kier has blocked on Twitter, but who is an absolute world-class... Uh, trump sycophant and like that's his brand so jacob wool having an extremely regular one uh replies to the the trump tweet about the united uh north american bid saying and i i i couldn't make this up if i i mean this is the kind of thing that if we wrote a joke about how someone who is really stupid would respond to this like this is what they would say so the quote is quote this year's world cup is in russia can't wait to watch America dominate on Russian territory. Who the fuck is this guy? Like, I actually who the
1: I don't know who this person is.
0: He's a, he's extremely online person. He's very online. So he's like the online Trump guy. Um, I don't really know how to how to describe him. He was like he he's a hugely followed in the weird world of the conservative, like the Trump online. And yeah. he has 150,000 followers on Twitter. This is no not shit. punching down for us. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he created something called The Washington Reporter, which oh. is something. Um, yeah. And he's also like, but he his whole brand is being like the Trump guy online. And, you know, he was the Trump guy online during the campaign and he remains the Trump guy online now. And so he had a very cool regular one saying, yeah. Can't wait to watch America win in Russian territory. Um yes. it's in response. It's very funny. This another amazing one though. His his he's he followed that up with hashtag America first, of course. Then he followed that up, another just absolutely having a having a perfectly normal one. He said, It's time to slap sanctions on Mexico, not handouts like NAFTA. In response to a tweet where Trump is supporting a joint North American bid with Mexico.
1: Yeah, I mean, for, the first thing that rules is obviously that he doesn't realize the U.S. isn't going to Russia.
0: Right, no, of course, right? I mean, like, I mean, this is amazing. The
1: next thing, the, the, what confused me about the next thing is it just seems like a non sequitur, and it makes me really think he's actually just like the most successful Russian bot. And the algorithm just said... Well, now we tech- <laughs> now The next <laughs> thing we tweet about is no, sa- no, no handouts for Mexico. Sanctions on Mexico. Get rid of NAFTA. Like that's just what the algorithm said to post. So slap
0: it on there. Yeah, and the response to that the algorithm spat out was we should lift the sanctions on Russia and place new sanctions on Mexico, which again actually makes even less sense when you take into context. T- context the previous things that he would said right can't wait for america to crush on russian territory by the way no handouts for mexico no handouts like nafta oh by the way uh we shouldn't have sanctions on russia but sanctions on mexico i mean like this this is uh, very very that's a, regular it's exactly what a what a
1: automated like passive learning russian bot would post i'm i'm now convinced this man doesn't
0: exist <laughs> I mean, if we were going to write, right, if we were going to write a joke response to that tweet, it would be can't wait to watch the U.S. men's national team win in Russia. Yeah. Right. Like that is the joke to write in response to this. It's certainly one of the top options. So like the fact like the fact that that this this bot or this guy, whoever the hell he is, decided to go with that and then. I mean, Kier, you brought up NAFTA. I mean, like he goes in and on NAFTA also, despite the fact that literally this is a tweet about how we need to have a joint North American bid.
2: Yeah, you know, they, they'll see a word or they'll see the name of a country and then they'll just uh, make the connection, I guess, to an old talking point. There's probably not a lot of thought that goes into uh, to following up to some of these tweets Especially when you want to get in early, so you get the uh, you get the likes and you get the responses.
0: I mean, he did get he. I mean, to be fair, he does like a cool six figures on most of his tweets. Like that's pretty cool. Like he got 1.2k likes. I mean, he got ratioed on it because he said, I mean, the incredibly what he said was incredibly stupid. So he got ratioed because you know, can't wait to watch America win in Russia is is hilarious, but. You know he, he, you know, he got the interact. he got the post interactions, which, Evan, speaking of post interactions, is exactly what our next guy is all about. So Evan, Mr. Post Interaction himself, Alexi Lawless. Come on, come on, let's fix football, Alexi. Alexi Lawless on team MAGA. Alexi Lawless. Look, okay, look.
1: We give Alexi Lawless a lot of shit on this show. And it's, let's be honest, basically all richly deserved. Extremely deserved. Because Alexi Lawless says a lot of shit. I'm not going to say that he doesn't deserve the shit that we give him. But like, way to hit new heights this week, right? So Alexi Lawless has decided that that the Trump tweet was not just good, but great.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and run that audio now. Last week, President Trump voiced support for the US-Mexico-Canada joint bid to host the World Cup 2026 when he tweeted, the US has put together a strong bid with Canada and Mexico for the 2026 World Cup. It would be a shame if countries that we always support were to lobby against the US bid. Why should we be supporting these countries when they don't support us, including at the United Nations? Now, was this a threat? Yeah. Did it violate FIFA's policy on no political interference? Probably not, but it did push the envelope, which is exactly what President Trump does. He took a page literally out of his own book. In The Art of the Deal, President Trump talks about his 11 tactics in business. Number five, use your leverage. And that's exactly what he and the Joint Bid Committee have done. World Cups are big business. And despite FIFA's efforts, they are always political. And yes, the Joint Bid helped orchestrate this. POTUS didn't just wake up suddenly one day and decide to tweet about the World Cup. This was calculated and strategic, a not so subtle reminder to countries, aka voters, about quid pro quo and the mutual scratching of backs with the U.S. Horse trading is nothing new for politicians, diplomats, and those in business, albeit often with more tact and discretion. Back in 2010, the U.S. bid for the 2022 World Cup. We lost, and we looked naive and idealistic. Fact is, if you're not willing to push the envelope, and I'm not talking about stuffed envelopes, you risk losing. Yes, POTUS is a polarizing figure, and there's an argument that Trump's support is more of a hindrance than a help. But a World Cup bid is not for the faint of heart. You don't get votes for being nice. Having the president of the United States engaged and supportive of a World Cup bid is a good thing. This is bringing the big dog in, and he's being used for his bark as much as his bite. But ultimately, he's being used to get the job done.
0: Yeah, so that that is Alexi Lauer's... I mean, it's it's it, what's incredible about this is I, I just I actually I'm on honest to god at a lost rewards with this one like I <laughs> he he is he is such a
1: comical figure. I like how it I, I like how many different threads it pulls together right. So it basically like applies the five dimensional chess theory of Donald Trump from the political sphere into soccer and it's like well don't you see how smart a move this is for the bid people to bring this in and you know having the president on your side like that's the big dog and that's so good and it's so smart and there's you know is it a little bit cynical yeah but it's good because we're going to
0: get the bid what's really cool about it on top of all that because obviously that's all incredible bullshit and and you know classic classic bullshit is that he clearly has also read art of the deal Oh that's right god i fucking
1: forgot yes he fucking quotes like he's he's like giving chapter and fucking verse like well if you turn to page 146 you can see <laughs> that the uh, the sixth technique of the fourth method says that this is precisely what you're supposed to do
0: it's so it's and like it's i guess we shouldn't be surprised exactly but like the the, the sense the any i i mean Let's all right, let's just break this down in a couple levels. First of all, if Alexei Lawless really wants the American bid to succeed, I can't imagine a a stupider way for for one to go about doing that than having Donald Trump involve himself. Right? Like do, involving Trump in supporting the, the the joint North American bid essentially guarantees that people will vote against it, I think.
1: yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. I think that uh, I mean, this has been reported on right. It's been literally reported on that the Trump administration has called consternation with uh, you know with countries around the world with you know various comments that people can, you know, people are well aware of, that you know, have been seen negatively around the world. and so it's it's well known that that of uh, you know actually among soccer people and soccer federations, Part of the resistance to the U.S. bid and part of the reason why the Morocco bid has some momentum is, you know, Donald Trump's comments. And if we do get a Morocco bid, there's going to be two big causes for it. one could be donald trump and the other will probably be
0: those large giant bags of money yeah well as you said i think in one of the first episodes where we talked about the joint bid evan it's there there are two possible outcomes for the united states and the trump involving himself i think creates a third the first right is that the united states wins the bid which means that the united states actually was corrupt as corrupt as everyone (laughs) else the second po- possibility is that they don't win the bid, which means that they weren't as corrupt as everyone else. But I think right. Trump involving himself creates a third possibility, which is that the United States tries to be as corrupt as everyone else, but everyone hates Donald Trump, so they give the bid so to someone much. else anyways. Where they literally say, no, nah, your money's no good here. <laughs> right, like, we don't want your, your fucking Donald Trump blood money. Like, we'd rather take the Morocco sacks of gold and not your sacks of gold, right? Yeah, yeah, that's really depressing because—
1: I at least want them to take our sacks of gold. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's kinda, it's it's like you don't really want to go to the party, but you want to be invited.
0: Yeah, come on. Like, what, is our money not good enough for you? like, fuckheads. Oh my we'll god! We'll take our business to FIBA, then. Yeah, like if we can't if we can't bribe FIFA, like what the fuck can this stupid country do at this <laughs> point? <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> I think that's a good um, – I think that puts a good coda on our amazing section talking about the incredibly regular U.S. bid and the incredibly normal president involvement in it. Um, so, so and- before, one quick thing before we move on
1: just because um, we haven't talked about it in a while. Uh, Gabe, what, do you have a handicap for whether uh, right now U.S. versus Mexico bid or uh, Morocco bid? What do you think happens? Oh, my God.
0: I think it's I going to be about- Morocco. <laughs> I, <laughs> think,
1: think. I, I'm really worried it's going to be the Morocco, but I think in the end I, I, – if I had to put money on it, I think I'd put 60-40 for the North American bid right
0: now. Right now. I think – but yeah. here's here's what I'd say, and, and I'd be interested to hear you guys uh, on this. I think it's possible we have a third bidder jump in and kind of play the white knight because people don't love Morocco – and the North American bid has taken some fatal press. <laughs> so what happens if a a nation comes in and says, we have all of the infrastructure essentially ready to do this. Just give it to us. We'll do it and deal with it. Why don't you deal with the next bid set down the road? And so, for example, what if, you know, Spain, Portugal just kind of swoop in and say, we're going to do an Iberian bid. Give it to us. Can they is, is the bid
1: period passed? Like can can we have new bidders at this point? I'm not sure. Oh, I don't know. I I, I, I think just... I think the bid period might be passed. Kier, do you have any thoughts on the bids? <laughs> I don't know.
2: They uh they decide in a bit over a month, right? So there's yeah. not a lot of time for anyone to get in, but I guess if they decide <laughs> they don't like yeah, either either location, they could probably uh solicit someone else to get involved
0: they, they're they fucking fifa like they can just i mean it feels like they can just do it or the living fuck that they want also if you have yeah. any problem with what anything that fifa does you can always tweet at infantino on twitter that's, that's right you 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 will let those california startup baby toy makers
1: know exactly how you feel about uh whatever it is they're doing so tell them all about tell them all about big bags of cash uh, you know, Morocco 2026.
0: Uh, yeah. You, uh, America first. Just tweet that shit yeah. at them. I, I, I've been dropping this joke in like unsolicited on essentially every show that I've done. And it What's really great is that I think that almost no one on these other shows are going to get it. But like on this one, dude, I think people are going to get it. So just FYI, everyone should remember this. When one set blotter tweeted about how he supported the Morocco bid. He did hashtag FIFA, hashtag world cup. And then he tried to tag Yanni Infantino who runs FIFA, but instead of finding his actual Twitter profile, he just did at Infantino and at Infantino is the handle of a California based toy company <laughs> that makes baby toys that hook on the strollers. Yeah.
1: It's
0: very good oh, nice. it rules. Um, Great, great content. Really good, <laughs> really all-time stuff. So, you know, tweet at Infantino with any any problems you have with with our show as well. Obviously, um, so I think I think I think it puts a good coda on the Trump bid U.S. normal situation section of our show. Um, so, one of the things we wanted to do next was uh, talk about, and one of the you know, so Kier originally you. Um, DM'd me, I guess Facebook message, whatever, uh, about how annoyed you were with uh, a certain commercial for the genetic ancestry uh, company 23andMe that has been running during uh, basically any American soccer match. Um, I'm going to run that audio for that commercial now.
3: Can you feel it? You're connected to the World Cup. It's in your DNA. You may not speak the language, or have visited the country, you may not know their heroes, but we're all connected to a World Cup nation through our DNA. So this summer, root for your roots. Watch the FIFA World Cup on Fox, and let Fox broadcast sponsor Twenty Three and Me help you find your team.
0: Okay, so essentially, what what we've got here here is this company saying look, we have the World Cup. The U.S. men's national team isn't in it. Send us your DNA and we'll tell you uh, essentially, you know, your ancestry and which team you can root for, even if you like, oh, I've never been there, but I can root for this team or whatever. Yeah, you know, my, uh, my
2: heart actually goes out to Fox Sports here, right? They pay, what, $200 million for the broadcasting <laughs> rights for the World Cup. And then the U.S can't get past you know Trinidad and Tobago a country with the population of Dallas, Texas <laughs> <laughs> you do you think there's no way there's no way that Americans are actually gonna watch soccer because they like the sport. No you have to you have to gin up some jingoism around this so what do you do? okay okay have people uh, spit in a cup we'll uh, send that out to California and they'll get back and they'll uh Tell you, tell you what team to root for. It's. I'm not sure if I'm annoyed by how, by just how base that is, or how brilliant that is.
0: Yeah, I'm really, I'm really like split on whether it's. In, you know what it is, dude. I think it's just both, right? It's both an. Inc- it's an incredible, incredible scam, but it's also like, it. It, it does sort of. I mean, it does. Sort of makes sense from like a corporate perspective. I mean, like if I were twenty three and me, and someone had come to me and said, "What is, should our next campaign be?" This would have been it. It wouldn't have been the the campaign where uh, someone said. Yo, uh, my whole family traditions like we are we are Irish. Like I learned like Gaelic and and to do the Irish step. Then I spat in a cup and my DNA came back and oh my god, I'm actually from Germany. So now I only wear later hosen everywhere. Like that that's a stupid commercial. But this is actually a really good way to get people to get into it. Evan, look, I know that you uh, uh, and so I'm interested I mean, to get to get to get you in here because I know you don't exactly have the same perspective that Kier and I have. Nope. um on this yeah so like okay first full disclosure
1: i've spat in that cup in fact with 23andme is actually the service that i used um not one but two people got that for me for a christmas present it was so obvious that it was a thing i was gonna do um and uh so i did that did the did the ancestry thing it was a lot of fun it uh no surprises for me confirmed exactly what i already thought just based on you know family history and everything which is that i'm half uh half british uh, so it you know breaks down by by region half uh you know british isles and half uh, um uh, uh french german so all northwestern european very so which which
0: of the 15 countries in that general like dna profile are you rooting for
1: yeah well so i mean so th- this is the, the so here's the way I think about it. I'm not as annoyed as you guys are about the <laughs> not not nearly as annoyed because I think that there are a million reasons why you might pick a secondary uh, a secondary national team to root for at the World Cup, and I think that it's true that like a lot of people aren't gonna watch the World Cup just for the love of soccer. Even if you do love soccer, you're gonna want to have some kind of rooting interest. Like I, you know, I've long ago decided that I was gonna root for England at this World Cup. Um, they're usually my second uh, national team that I root for, just because I know a lot of the players from EPL, and you know I feel more affinity with, you know, England and English culture, I suppose, than a lot of other countries. And this is enough, right? That's enough to right. to give them an edge for me over, whatever Angola. Like it doesn't matter. Um, it's more of an attachment, and like sports is all a little bit about tribalism, which is all about like, do you have more attachment to this team or another? And so then the question is like, does twenty three and me give you a reason to think that you have enough more you know enough greater attachment to one country over another in order to root for them instead of another random country. I don't think it's ridiculous to think that that's the case. I think you know if there's what they're selling is some kind of loose sense of heritage um based on you know where your ancestors geographically came from it's obviously a loose heuristic and anyone who thinks it's more than a use, loose heuristic for cultural ancestry is stupid but even as a loose heuristic for your cultural ancestry like it's not that dumb to say ah, you know my family came from you know Iberian peninsula i guess spain or portugal is a more rational choice for me to root for than something random like you know fuck i don't know russia right Maybe that, you know, that's enough, maybe, to give you...
0: Everyone advantage. on this podcast roots for Russia, huh? Yes. But, okay, so I, I don't think that what Kier and I, or at least what I'm saying, I, 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 I think this is pretty dumb, but I, I also say... I don't give a shit how you choose what team you root for. And I don't give a shit even, even more so when it comes to a world cup where your country isn't in it. Like who cares? Like I, I have like a heuristic that I use basically, which is like, uh, if it, you know, is it Spain or Portugal? And if the answer is no, then basically I root for, uh, any team from like from Africa and any of the like underdog South American teams. And, kind of end of list uh, and then basically like against teams that I think would be able to beat Spain or Portugal if they weren't, um, if they're advancing. So like I, against Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just a random and, and based on my own biases and, and whatnot, I'm sure. But, and so I, I don't think this, for me, the issue is choosing a heuristic of how to like, or providing a heuristic of how to choose a team to root for at this world cup. I think for me, the issue is, uh, and like, look, uh, obviously uh and i think i'm i'm glad you you're you're on this side too the 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 the, loca- the idea that dna analysis is anything more than a best guess at a series of possible places where you could be is uh, facetious but i think that you already kind of admitted that or agree with that and i have no problem with the kind of heuristic aspect i i think here you were saying um you know some interesting stuff about how Brazilian, a spe- a specifically Brazilian, but I think that probably applies to a lot of South American, like how, how that like that DNA analysis for those people is actually going to be a very much more complicated thing that could lead to unpleasant outcomes. Well, you know,
2: um, countries are just lines drawn on a map. And really isn't going to be captured that well by what you're uh, putting into these uh, and what you're reading from these uh, DNA tests.
1: Yeah, I mean that's certainly true. And and, and look, um, bef- you know, before and after I did my 23andMe test, I had done a bunch of reading on the methodology and the accuracy. Um and you know if you read the fine print they're pretty clear about yeah. what it is they're actually doing and what it is the data actually tells you and actually twenty three and me I think is better th- than some of the other services because they don't try try to break it down into individual countries it it's all regional um and so it tries to hew to the population genetics yeah. and not not pigeonhole it too much into the political boundaries. Um, there's definitely the thing you mentioned, Gabe, with it being more complicated for someone in South America is a hundred percent true. So the way that this service actually works is it tests your genetic mark. It runs an algorithm against your genetic markers that compares it to a database of gen- genetic markers with certain known quantities, you know, where these people were from, you know, that they, they, you know, they could actually prove outside the genetics, um, and the population genetics of those areas. And the more data they have in the database, The more accurate the algorithm is. And so for like, uh, for like white people in America, for the people of European descent, and it's much more accurate. They just have a lot more data for Europe and in particular Western Europe. So like mine's actually probably reasonably accurate just because it's, it's areas of the world. They have a ton of data for, uh, And there's less genetic diversity than there is in places like Brazil or Africa, which has like a wild amount of genetic diversity. And so, so it definitely changes based on what part of the world you're from, like how useful it is. So I I think it also
0: it also has a complicated relationship with some like diaspora minorities. Like, I mean, obviously, I'm a I'm a Sephardic Jew, so my I'll have a very strange DNA profile, depending on the what markers they're looking at. Also, that's that's another. I mean, like, they obviously don't sequence your whole genome. I just, I, so I studied genetics in college. I I have a very hard time with this aspect of this. That being said, Evan, I actually actually think that most people should try to get these things done, not because it's supposed to, like, tell you more than you already know from your own family history about where you're from, because really your history is much more about where you and your family are say it is and where you kind of all have come from and and then the lore and the history and traditions that you've grown up with it just because like a a like a genetic test says you may have markers that correlate certain i mean like certain like genetic you know variations that correlate with certain areas of certain you know tribes and and different nordic areas and your your family is all from you know Scotland or whatever it doesn't like shouldn't mean that you stop you know ditch all your scottish stuff right but but what people should the reason people should get shit like this is because actually what these things are really good at doing, right, is is telling you the genetic markers that we do know that are that do correlate with certain real diseases, right? Like we do know that there are specific genes, right? That, that are related to your, like that are directly related to the probability that you'll develop certain types of cancer or Alzheimer's or whatever. So it's smart to get that as a prophylactic thing done. The problem is that they keep not selling it that way. Well, yeah, I mean, so
1: full, also full disclosure, I totally didn't sign up for that service. Um, I only did the Ancestry side because you have to pay more for it. Though I can like add it on at any time, and they'll uh, um, and they'll like do it. They'll like apply the because it's just the same. It's just a different algorithm ran run against the same data they already have. So like you can pay more to have it done anytime. But, uh, but yeah, I chose not to do that. But, you know, I, I guess my 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 concluding remark on it is just that it's all it's it it is useful and interesting as long as no one takes it too terribly seriously. Well, and that's um, that's.
0: So that's probably and, and
1: I and and you know and one caveat is I don't think it's taking it too seriously to use it to pick a team to root for at the World oh, Cup. Hell, and so that's no. why I'm not that incredulous about the ad.
0: Oh, okay. Well I'm not so incredulous about the the ad in in in, in that way. I think Kier, you and I had, had a had a short discussion about this earlier, but I I think one of the things that we I think should ask ourselves, right, is and this may be and, – and Evan specifically, I know you're still um, working for the government, so maybe you can't chime in as much on this stuff. But in, in this period of polit- – where we're where – we have this kind of rising tide of what I have seen and, and you know, I think what a lot of us have seen as kind of pseudoscientific – um kind of genetic racism it is a complicated thing to like encourage tons of people to like jump in i mean like i i love genetics i studied it i have a minor in it it's one of my favorite topics but it it, politically this is a more complicated project i think than than a lot of people give it you know get into it or give it give it give it that kind of thought do you know what i'm saying
2: The bit that uh, stands out to me is that this is potentially incredibly sensitive information that you're sharing that can potentially reveal a lot about you, as you said, with kind of this medical stuff. And we have a federal law from 2008, the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, that uh, prohibits genetic discrimination in things like offering health insurance and in employment decisions. But there are also big uh, Loopholes and caveats to that. It doesn't, uh, it won't stop anyone uh, from uh, using this information to make a decision about whether or not to offer life insurance. Really? So we've kind of been dancing around this, but it's really sensitive information that you're revealing and not even about yourself, but also potentially about your family. One of the reasons uh, this ad stood out to me is that I was reading an article about law enforcement using these uh, uh, consumer-facing uh, DNA testing sites to uh, help catch a, a serial killer called the uh, Golden State Killer, uh, who was active, I think, back in the, uh, yeah. the 70s and 80s. And they used uh, uh, both inf- information that people had uploaded to websites after they had gotten their uh, uh, genetic testing. They subpoenaed another one of these websites for that information. And on another site, they actually created a fake profile using DNA they had from this killer to find relatives of that killer and track them down. Now, I don't think anyone here is going to complain about an outcome in this case, catching a killer. But as we've said, this uh, information isn't always perfectly accurate. And people who are getting these services should be thinking about how this data is going to be used and shared, and uh, what, uh, what it could say about their relatives going forward. So for me, just kind of thinking about these issues uh, and then kind of seeing this ad where the main selling point for getting one of these tests in this context was, hey, it's kind of a fun thing to give you a bit more of a stakes to to root for in the World Cup. That seemed like a disconnect for me. And uh, Evan, you were talking about uh, kind of reading the terms of service, who they would share with. I know people actually uh, give 23andMe a lot of thumbs up for being one of the more transparent companies. Uh, operating in this space, but I think yep. that anyone uh, who's interested in getting this, this test shouldn't just do it. Hey, uh, I'm interested in the World Cup. They should uh, think a bit more uh, about uh, the implications of doing so.
0: That is such an interesting point, Kieran. Thank you for sharing that. That I, so I, I, you know, I've been working myself in some of some of the. Yeah, more on the the consumer side, data privacy and 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 cybersecurity side, and and this is the kind of question that should be occurring to people, and to, it should have frankly occurred to me immediately. What what I what what occurred to me immediately was like the idea that we could that that there's been so much of a focus on um, you know, genetics as a predictor of and as you said, like like using it as life insurance, but as a predictor of many other things, right? As there's been this recently a whole whole discussion of like uh, you know, this this kind of, in my view, kind of pseudoscientific link between a, uh the genetics of intelligence and the genetics of race, which is you know, quite in my view, quite bogus and quite pseudoscientific. But like the idea that the people that are trying to make that argument would get their hands on this data somehow is is also something that I really, really don't like. And I don't like a lot of that. You know, the, these 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 issues, right? And so it's it's it's. I think it is more complicated. I think you're right than just you know, what team should I root for in the World Cup because I don't have one. Like. I, but that being said, Evan, I think you're right also that if, if you want to do this, it's not a stupid heuristic to use to choose a team, right? This isn't the wrong thing. It's just that there are kind of a, a deeper set of issues that are embedded in, well, in the notion that like we can share our our even a small percentage of our genetic code with anyone. Like that's 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 scary and the idea that so the idea that what they have now is it's not just that they have right your sample and then they would have to run it again they actually have converted the sample into data on which they can run algorithms over and over again and to tell you different things right so that itself is 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 worrisome especially considering that i don't imagine these these places have You know, absolutely state of the art cybersecurity protections on where they store that data, for example. Anyways, I don't, there's a lot to process there, Um, probably more than we have time for on this show. But Evan, if you want to respond to either of the things that we've said, I would love to hear it. So
1: I guess just two very quick points. One is on the kind of like genetic racism thing, which I think is a valid point. I, I actually am of the opinion that the more like that this all runs very strongly against the kind of like genetic racism of like you're you know Spanish if you you know have these certain genes or something like that. Um, just because what you know I, because it has such a propensity of showing, you know what else everybody is made of that you know that basically no one is hundred percent of anything. Um, and so I, I think it cuts against this notion of you know being, you know, just kind of like genetically pure or whatever really <laughs> right. gross, icky uh, terms people would try to apply to it. Like, I think to the extent people try to take it that way, it's actually going to end up cutting against them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just on the last point, I mean, I, I think I agree with you that that what really the contention here doesn't have so much to do, I see now, with, you know, this particular application. It's really just a deeper disagreement about the utility Of these services in the first place. Like, obviously I'm more okay with it. And, you know, I don't have as big an issue with the privacy concerns. These are all things that, you know, were brought up to me when I wanted to do this in the first place. And, you know, I've obviously made my choice with respect to that. And that's probably why this ad doesn't bother me as much. But if you're more suspicious of the genetic testing industry, which there's plenty of critics out there, then, yeah, I can definitely see why uh the ad pushing it for something as you know in this regard inconsequential as picking a soccer team if you do, you know do buy into these you'll know, really be big, big concerns being a really big deal um yeah I can see why that would be um grading perhaps
0: yeah okay I think that's that that I think that puts um. A nice cap on that discussion. It's very interesting, Kier, and and thanks again for coming on. We we have more to talk about, and I'm not letting you go. I just I just wanted to thank you again for for that. I didn't um, have in mind an actual legal discussion going into this, but I'm glad you brought up the that that uh, genetic testing act. I would assume just really quickly, this does this information fall outside of HIPAA, Kier?
2: uh I would assume so. Yeah, I don't think. Uh... 23andMe or another one of these services uh, would be considered a uh, healthcare provider under HIPAA. Even
0: if they're even if they're telling you like your propensity for diseases uh, given your markers.
1: They like explicitly say a million times that like nothing they're telling you is substitute for a medical diagnosis, et cetera, et cetera. So I think they're pretty well trying to disclaim okay. themselves of any responsibility as a healthcare provider. It's just, it's just
0: something that I I, I thought of. for uh, non-Americans, HIPAA is the Health uh, Information Privacy Protection Act, and uh, it has quite actually one of the strongest. I mean, Kira, you do data protection, but this is one of the strong, in my view, one of the strongest data protection laws in the in the country, at least. Um, in terms of how uh, the different people are required to handle sensitive information about people, as it should be, because it's your, your personal health in- information.
2: Uh, for what it does cover, yes. <laughs> as I kind of alluded to it's getting a little porous, and especially more so with uh, different apps and uh, connected devices, uh, getting more and more of your uh, health mm-hmm. information.
0: Oh, you are speaking my language. This is all this is all stuff that I have done and, and continue to do in my in my uh non soccer professional time. So um excited to uh, uh continue that. Um all right, all right. So back to back to sport. Um I want to do very quick MLS hours. First of all, everyone should go check out the podcast I did with Mickey Turner, um, who is a wonderful, uh really nice lawyer from Washington State who came on to talk about the save the crew. Uh, litigation there have been a ton of updates in that that's finally really heating up we have a series of motions including the states uh uh I- including the uh defendant motion to dismiss which is huge and which we read through and discussed um we have state motion to compel discovery uh we had uh defendant motion to um psv motion to prevent this discovery it's fascinating everyone should go listen to it um I, I'm I we didn't get into my article which is which I wrote about how it looks like the state appears to be prepared to contest the constitutionality of the uh art model act um because Mickey so mainly because Mickey is so invested and so done such a great job covering the actual lawsuit itself and not just this specific kind of tangential thing that I'm interested in which is this specific question of constitutionality. That being said, guys, um it actually you know Mickey and I were talking about it and one of the things that we we're both a little bit worried about is that you know that that this may actually become a uh, uh, the focus of a lawsuit going forward because it does appear that the state has a lot of good points when they're arguing on Ohio law and whatnot and that it may be that PSV's best way to pre- like stop this lawsuit in its tracks is to argue the constitutionality. I'm one, uh, I don't know if you guys have been following that.
1: I mean, I, I looked at it a little bit and I, I guess my, my, you know, my just my first thought is just What, you know, do they win very much if this, if this gets, you know, if they try to litigate that question, this whole thing takes four years before they're able to actually move the team, then like, have they actually, you know, missed their window? Um, Right. Does that delay them so much that it from a business sense, it no longer makes any sense to move the team?
0: Well, that's, and, and that's when one of the most interesting things I think Mickey and I talked about. So again, listen to the show, but what is um, Is it possible to we'll get to a situation where MLS and uh, uh, pre-court and PSV are actually have disparate interests in the litigation and won't be able to be represented by the same people? And like that would be a fascinating moment when, for example, an Ohio buyer emerges and mm-hmm. MLS just says, yeah, all right, let's just get this done. We'll deal with this, this, you know. Co- you know, uh, coalition of buyers and and we'll just keep the crew here and and whatnot and ps and 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 precourt who seems very very committed to moving to moving the crew specifically to Austin after buying up all the media rights and all this stuff is uh may have may have uh, disparate interest from the from MLS and right now it's MLS PSV are the defendants and uh uh in this lawsuit so it's quite interesting i think
1: yeah I, I, I should be good to see where it goes. I think that you're definitely right about the the conflicting interest thing. I'm. I think that the conflicting interest might come out to the extent that um, discovery is going to be a lot harder on MLS yeah. than uh, than PSV. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, the depositions that would have to be taken, the documents have to be turned over. Like MLS is going to get pretty pissy about some of those pretty quick.
0: Well, they and as Mickey said, they're one of the most. They're arguably the least transparent like league in this country. Uh, a yeah. sports organization, and, and just the discovery alone would threaten them just for that reason, which is fascinating yeah. also, I think. Um, yeah. Okay. Last uh, MLS thing. Evan, I wanted you to just do a, a quick update. How's how's Orlando City? Uh, Orlando City just won their fifth on the bounce, uh,
1: which is a lot of fun. They're um, good I will actually. say
0: that Jason Christ, the uh, Orlando City manager, keeps doing hashtag trust the process, which is <laughs> yeah. annoying and... What? You should, should funny. pay
1: royalties for it. Orlando City totally didn't do the process though, right? They blew up their <laughs> team and just bought a bunch of fucking bought, you know, they straighted all their allocation money for stars, which is the complete opposite of the process. The process, the process. is to gather, gather, gather young assets and everything. Um and he's like, "Wait, Sasha question and Dom Dwyer, yeah, you guys are good. We'll just buy you." Um
0: it's not the process. So
1: it's very stupid, but on the other hand, they've made it they, they can't really stop him from scoring, but they score a lot so they win and I mean, they're good. They're third in the East right now, but they're you know they're up there in points with Atlanta and NYCFC, but they're not nearly as good as Atlanta and NYCFC. Yeah, they're 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 the two best teams in the league this year, I think. Um, big story in the East is that Toronto has been garbage. Uh, they're last, bottom of the table with like three games in hand because of all the uh, Concacaf Champions League stuff. But it's you know, they is involved. Uh, yeah,
0: Zlatan. That's the big was, story. I, I think it's kind of heretical for you to say anything that's not the big story. It's that Zlatan. Well, it's
1: about to go to the Western Conference where LAFC is, you know, uh, good and LA Galaxy is okay. And then Zlatan is great. Yeah, he uh, is incredible. Well, so the the most fun thing that come out the last couple of weeks is uh, a bunch of, like, hashtag, you know, hashtag pundits who, <laughs> who have been pushing the hashtag narrative that actually Zlatan – doesn't mesh well with some of the like midfielders and, and <laughs> forwards in, in the uh, LA galaxy's side. And so he should just be a super sub. And that's how you, that's how you should use Latin, which is just hilarious. Like, no, if you don't mesh with Latin, random MLS, Fix players, everyone else, you,
0: you, you sit down.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Latin doesn't sit down. I mean, if he's tired, he can, can but like, if, if the he man wants, like, if like,
0: wants to sit down,
1: Latan wants to sit, Latin
0: will sit. All uh, right. The last thing on MLS is that um, apparently Will Ferrell released a Falcon before the LAFC game recently. I, I couldn't figure out why that happened, but the image is I, quite funny. I mean, I have no idea about the Falcon.
1: Like, I know why he's there. He's a part owner. He's oh, I know North why he's there. LAFC, but there's this image like, of him,
0: like, staring at this Falcon that he's releasing. It's quite I feel like strange. it's just one of
1: those, like, it's just like a, like, you, you're you Will Ferrell. you built your career on basically just having weird thoughts and then making them into movies. And like he, I guess he just he just gets to do what he wants. He's probably just think you know it'd be badass, fucking
0: Falcon. Yeah, I actually think and and for a team in their first year, just doing like like a a Falcon thing, like that's gonna be their thing. That's fine. Actually, I have no problem with that at all. Yeah, it's okay. Whatever.
2: LAFC and Falcon share a lot of the same letters, so I'm down for, with it. Yeah, that's that's a really <laughs> good
0: point. <laughs> uh, all right, let's just last segment. We're gonna do it pretty quickly because um. We're we're running a little long, but that's OK. Um, last segment here. We're going to talk. Let's talk some Champions League, folks. Um, uh, Liverpool get to the final of the Champions League by the barely on the skin of their teeth. Um, they go to Rome and Rome wins four to two. Uh, after losing in Anfield five to two, so with one goal uh, they could have forced extra time. There was some refereeing controversy. Whatever, Liverpool make it. It's an exciting time for for the Liverpool fans. Mo Salah, I think at this point has to be, you know, if not the front runner for the Ballon d'Or, certainly in conversation with Ronaldo and Messi. But Liverpool do not look as good away from Anfield as they do. At home, and I think a lot of teams do like have that home away split, but this one looks particularly rough for them. Um, Evan, yeah. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, it, yeah, no. It is definitely tough for them. The Anfield's definitely been a fortress, but away they're not as good. They're especially not as good uh, defensively um, once they start going away from Anfield, and they're also just not that good defensively generally. Like that's going to be their big handicap going into the Champions League final. Is you know can they keep uh, Madrid from putting the ball in the back of the net and I'm not I'm I'd be skeptical. I mean we just saw them get carved the fuck up by Roma. Um and you know Roma I mean they're not bad but they're not Madrid either. No. Um so uh, yeah that's got that's got to be the worry. They they're going to score like they I don't they're not going to get shut out. They're going to score goals in oh, the finals yeah. it's, it's
0: it's all on the defensive side. Um so We're going to roll some audio right now from a very regular British pundit. Um, I'm just going to play that now.
3: You won't like this at all, but Ronaldo's actually rubbish now, isn't he? Think it through, right? How many top sides in the Premier League would take Cristiano Ronaldo? All of them. He wouldn't improve any of them. Do you honestly think Pep Guardiola would want Ronaldo at Man City, really? Um, Can I just
0: say with Ronaldo, he scored 15 goals in the Champions League this season. And what? Last six seasons, top scorer every single year, Champions League. And what? And what? And what? That's like saying, well, Harry Kane top scoring in the Premier League. And what? Last game against Juventus, and what? who had won him?
3: Terrible. He scored in in injury time, but he was terrible. Last night, absolutely useless. Did one of his shots go for a throw in? Absolutely useless. They scored the what turned out to be the winner. He didn't even celebrate because it's all about him. So they wouldn't. He wouldn't improve most of them talent wise. I can't imagine that. Klopp would want him at Liverpool. I can't imagine Man City would want him. I'd be amazed if Mourinho would want that ego next to his. And in fact, that's the big thing. It's not necessarily so much about talent, which he didn't really. hasn't really shown us any of it, really. His ego would make them all worse. It would actually dis- be disruptive rather than productive. Okay, so um,
0: I don't know if I even need to get into this, but this man basically. I mean, he says that Ronaldo wouldn't start for any of the top four English clubs, and that might be one of the worst takes I've ever heard. So, and we, and we talked we about just, fucking Jacob Wool saying that the United States are going to win in Russia, and that's not even the stupidest thing just, that's been said on this show. No, oh, it's true. Like, and we could just go through the top four
1: and see how this isn't true. You know, working from the bottom up, right? So you have Tottenham. You'd have to tell me that, you know, Hyungmin's son is better than Cristiano Ronaldo. Stop it. All right, we go to Liverpool. You'd have to tell me that, you know, uh, Saito Mane, who already doesn't play every week, is better than uh, Cristiano Renato. Shut up. Um, you know, Manchester United. Do, do we even have to go through the forwards, Manchester United, to think that yeah, it's just so dumb? Like, maybe right. City doesn't. I guess if you really believe in Sane that much. It's an insane. That's insane. It's such a stupid thing. It's an insane it's a dumb, thing to think. It's absolutely absurd. He starts and, on every single one
0: of those teams. But he starts on, and that's the thing. He every starts, team in the world. There's not a team, a team in the world. world that doesn't start Cristiano Ronaldo. It's dumb, 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 dumb thing to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's just it's hot takey nonsense for, for the sake of the hot take. Um.
0: Uh, I mean, look, Real Madrid have not looked great, but Real Madrid are in their third Champions League final in a row, um, fifth or fourth in five years. This is. One of the questions, and I think this is a cool way to sort of end this, considering that um, I don't really think we need to talk too much about Arsenal, even though it's pretty funny. Um, I think one of the interesting things that I, I've gotten into, guys, and now now it brings, I think, this is a perfect show to address this. How do we talk about um, the legacy of this Real Madrid team? Because, you know, look, they are on the precipice of, they are within one game, repeating three-peating as Champions League champions. They've they've already won three out of four, but they've also not looked very good in the league almost any of those years. Like last year was the only year they won the league title. How do we qualify the legacy? What is the legacy of this Real Madrid team? Are there comparisons in, in American sports? Like how do we look at this? God, the qu-
1: I'm trying to think about the comparisons and like the things that you'd be looking for is a team that kind of underperforms over the course of a season, but just can really get up for the big games and not like they play great in all the big games, but they're very clutch. Like clutch, I think find is the most ways important to win, thing. Right, right. They find a way to win, um, and I guess that's got to be the legacy, right? Is that they're a inconsistent side that is capable of reaching really great peaks. Um, but maybe doesn't have the kind of consistency that we look for when we try to consider what the greatest sides of all time were, right? That's why the double or the treble is so important in assessing soccer sides historically is because it means you are consistent across competitions across the entire season. Right. It's a, and I this think, Madrid side has a tough time saying that's, that.
0: That's a, that's a very good point. Uh, I, I think the one thing speaking against it, though, is that, right, this is a—so the Champions League is a competition that rewards— Teams randomness it re- rewards luck more than the the the, the league, uh, and it is it is you know and it rewards kind of day by day random greatness. Yeah. Yet somehow Madrid has managed to be incredibly consistent in this specific competition, right? Like that to me that's shocking. Like they, no other team in the modern history of the sport has been this consistent in the one competition that doesn't reward consistency, right? But like I, I think there's two explanations for that for me, right? So one is that I think
1: that the Champions League kind of like, you can see this in the NBA playoffs right now too, like teams with playoff experience tend to do well in those pressure moments. And like that randomness isn't always super random. Sometimes it's just that's a, it's a team succumbing to pressure Um and Madrid is able to take advantage of these moments because they've been in it so much, they have so much experience. And then, so that's a very positive thing for them. And then on the flip side, there's a negative thing for them, which is, you know, I think there's a team that's won a lot, a lot of players who have won a lot. I'm not saying that they're bored during the, re- you know, during the regular season in just the league, but maybe they're a little bored yeah. during the rest of the year with the rest of the league and they just struggle to get up for those games.
0: One, well, like, say what you will, right, about Pep Guardiola, but his sides won the league like every year, right, that he was like, yeah. and the years that he didn't win whatever league he was in, he, you know, it was, it was a miss, you know, it was bad luck or whatever, but like. My man hasn't won the Champions League in, in forever, like since he had Messi on his team. And like that, that I think is also a black mark on his resume. Uh, yep. I will say uh, so the here the, the two comps that I heard when I kind of put this question out there. I'm here. I'm interested in your opinion on this as well, in terms of the comp with respect to basketball. And maybe there's one in. I mean, you know what? Maybe, maybe it's more like, it doesn't matter. I, the, the comps that I heard was this. And I think the best one was from our friend Luke Thomas, who's uh, a a great MMA journalist. Um, if you guys follow that, you should follow him. He, he rules. But he, he told me that his, the way that he kind of sees this Madrid, it reminds him a lot of that like mid to late 90s Yankees team where, sure, there were a couple of years, but they were really, really superb. But they were not at all always the best team going into the playoffs, but they found ways to win and get to the world series and win the world series or whatever, take it to game seven in 2001. I thought that was a really good comp. I also heard, uh, the, this real Madrid are like the, um, Jordan era bulls, which I didn't buy as much except for one part of it, which is that I think that Zidane is a lot like Phil Jackson because Phil Jackson has fucking incomprehensible tactics that shouldn't work. But he's such a good man-manager and happens to be, in each of his like stints, working with like, all-time great players, that they just kind of did it. <laughs> uh, but the, I, I liked the Yankees comp from, from Luke a lot. I think that, that that's a good comp also because we don't give trophies anymore, in, or in any sport in this country, to teams that have the best regular season record. And well, we don't. Right. So like the 90s, that 90s era Yankees didn't have the best record in the East most years, but somehow yeah. they still won the World Series those years. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, yeah, I guess that's right. It's just so it's just so hard it, that that the fact that we only play one competition in the U.S. just makes the comp that much harder um to do because we have to try because 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 there's an incentive for teams in the u.s to not necessarily have the best record as long as you make the playoffs right there's always the argument that you as long as you make the playoffs rest players lose games who cares once you get in the playoffs that's all that matters um because there's no reward
2: uh, yeah they'll get fun of uh caring too much about the regular season if they go for an all-time great regular season record uh in basically all the sports in this country but uh, especially with the uh, Golden State Warriors a couple years back
0: right
1: yeah and also. so the, you know that makes the comp just, just tough but um, yeah I don't know I, I guess it's gonna I guess it, it's really just gonna be how like I know how people are gonna spin this Madrid side they're gonna spin them as European success that's the hardest competition who really cares about the league right like that's the spin and then the question, is a little more philosophical, like which matters more, you know, winning, yeah. you know, the the European glory year after year, or the consistency of yeah, you go out every now and then in the Champions League, but you're at least still winning the league and the domestic cup.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really, and I think on I I just sort of to, to to wrap this up, like my feeling is, and I'm a Real Madrid fan, like this is the greatest era of of my life watching this club, uh, but. I, I would say that they have – and this is one of the great things about sports, Evan. We talk about this all the time. Like You get to have these – this is the whole point. We get to have these these discussions, right? But this, this specific team, I think, should be in with a shout and considered in that conversation of all-time great teams. But I think they're forever going to have that black mark on their record that while they were doing this stuff that never had been done in the modern Champions League – uh, they also did not have domestic success. They got eliminated from. I mean, they got the funniest elimination ever from the Spanish domestic cup when they started a player who wasn't eligible. Oh my god, that's I right? forgot about that. It was very funny. <laughs> they, they crashed out to teams that weren't even like Barcelona previously. Like they're gonna have a black mark. That being said, they. I. I mean they do have a whole amount of positives and, and I think we've already gone into that. So it's it's a fascinating conversation. I think they're gonna sort of have their own legacy. Uh regardless, again, regardless of how the final goes, this is this team is insane and it's annoying that my job is partially to uh <laughs> to to try to make sense of that for people with the managing Madrid, you know, stuff. But I'm glad that I get to be more like you know, philosophical on this show, because I actually have no idea. Like, and it's hard to, to define what a legacy is looking, you know, at the current time of the legacy, other than to know that we are in the middle of something great and something it yeah. great, but like something really that, that is going to have long-term reflection that we're looking at right now.
1: Yeah. And I guess one last point is that the reason why I think we can't assess it right now is it is so tied in inexorably with Cristiano Ronaldo's legacy yeah, that it makes it really hard to assess it until he's done um, and until we make sense of his career. Cause this, you know, this Madrid team is his Madrid team.
0: Right. And, and I mean, it's going to always be in relationship, you know, in relation to that Barca side too, right? Like right. it's and, always going to, and messy. Yeah. Right. And we had, um, that we had to deal like today with a very funny question on, on the managing Madrid show, uh, about how, uh, you know, Messi always chokes. Well, it, it's funny that we would we would like someone would would make that argument. I don't think that's particularly true, but it, it does show that regardless of what's going on, there's always going to be. <laughs> there's always going to be that uh, comparison. It's almost like Magic and Bird, right, where you almost mm-hmm. can't talk about the uh uh, you almost can't talk about one without bringing up the other and you talk when you're talking about legacy.
1: Yeah, when they're when they're that good and they're at that level at the same time, they become each other's point of reference. Um and so it just it literally there wouldn't be any, you know, there's no ground to compare them to anymore anywhere else. You just can't have the conversation without it.
0: Right. Uh Kier, thank you so much for coming on and bullshitting our way through this. It's been a pl- it's been a blast man and um we'll have to have you back on uh to be quite honest, to talk more about this data privacy stuff because I think it's fascinating, and I just feel like it. So <laughs> thank you so for much sure, for coming on, And, buddy. you know, uh,
2: thanks for having me, you guys. And, you know, I'm out here in Columbus, and I'm seeing uh, the Save the Crew hashtag Hell every yeah. single day, and we're, uh, we're a big fan of your oh, yeah, uh, coverage of this ongoing uh, saga Let's we found ourselves in. So if you ever need a uh, beat reporter on the ground to cover any of this... Uh, you know, you can
0: hit me up. Don't make Hell offers. Yeah. Don't make offers. You can't, uh, you can't follow up <laughs> on there, buddy. But yeah, absolutely. Save the crew. We are, we've always been hundred percent on this stuff. And yo, know, this is huge. Uh, Q, thanks so much for coming on. Evan, we'll talk soon,
3: buddy. Talk to you later, man. I'm God. I'll let you try my Wu-Tang style. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the, mother, bring the motherfucking ruckus. The motherfucking ruckus Ghost face Catch the blast Of a hype verse My glock burst Leaving a hearse I did worse I come rough Tough like an elephant Tusk Your head rush, Fly like Egyptian musk Oh shit we ain't clear Spark the wind However, I mastered a trick just like Nixon Causing terror, quick damage your whole era. Hard rocks is locked the fuck up, I found the yellow style, hazardous, cause I wreck this dangerous I blow spots like Waco, Texas I watch my back like I'm locked down Hardcore, hitting sound, watch me act broke And tear down, Oh you're a tight asshole Songs going gold, no doubt And you're watching corny make the flow Yeah, they faking all that Carrying gats, but your mind playing, rolling like 40 max, now you act convinced, I guess it makes sense, Wu-Tang Yo Su, so represent, I wait for one to act up, now I got him backed up, gun to his neck now, react what, and that's one in the chamber, Wu-Tang banger, 36,000 danger. Bring the motherfucking ruckus, bring the motherfucking ruckus, bring the mother, ruckus, bring the motherfucking ruckus, bring the motherfucking ruckus, Fucking ruckus, bring the motherfucking ruckus Bring the the mother, bring the motherfucking ruckus Bring the motherfucking ruckus I rip it, hardcore like porno flick bitches I roll with groups of ghetto bastards with biscuits Check it, my method on the microphone's banging Wu-Tang slang, I leave your headpiece hanging. Plus this, I'm kicking like Seagull out for justice The rumpness, just the rudeness, fuck this Red rump, I rarely assault the tongue style shocks you're not like a stun gun I'm hectic I'm hectic with the quickness set it on the microphone, like the phone and competition get blown by this nasty ass Slave man boots, new recruits. I'm fucking up MC troops. I break loops and trample shit while well, I stomp. I'm mud hole in that ass, cause I'm straight out the swamp. Creeping up on sight, now it's fright night. My Wu-Tang slang is mad fucking dangerous they're more deadly than the stroke of an axe Chopping through your back Giving his hard attacks Niggas try to flip. tell me who is them. I blow up this fucking prism Make it a vicious act of terrorism You wanna bring it, so fuck it Come on and bring the rockets Then I provoke niggas to kick buckets I'm wetting cream, I ain't wetting fame Who's selling game? I'm giving out a deadly game It's not the rushing, it's the tank Crushing roulette, slip up You get fucked like Suzette Bring the fucking rockets the fucking rockets wait the fucking rockets on god i'll let you try my Wu-Tang style